Theodore Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. But what would have old Teddy known about any of that? Let's consider the source. T.R., as he was known, was born into a high-powered family. He went to Harvard, inherited a fortune by the time he was 20. He was a good athlete, a prolific author. He won a Nobel Peace Prize and was the youngest U.S. president in history. And if those monumental achievements didn't make an impression, go check out the actual impression of his face on the monument known as Mount Rushmore. It's hard to imagine that a dude with those bona fides ever felt anything but joy after comparing himself to others. But that would all depend on what was being compared. Because if having a healthy body, personal safety, and the well-being and longevity of loved ones, if those were the metrics being used, Teddy Roosevelt would have been justified in saying his life was far from charmed. And in fact, a more accurate description would be that it was cursed. Roosevelt was born a spindly, sickly child with debilitating asthma. Doctors told him he had a weak heart and that he was not long for this world. When he was 19, his dad died unexpectedly. Just a few years later, his mother and wife died within hours of each other in the same house on Valentine's Day, which was just two days after his wife had given birth to their first child. That night in his diary, Roosevelt marked a big X and wrote, The light has gone out of my life. He was so devastated by her death that he refrained from even mentioning her name for the rest of his life. Lost and broken, he headed west to the Dakota Territory where he lived as a rancher for a few years until a historic blizzard wiped out his entire herd of cattle. In 1912, he was shot in the chest at point-blank range by a bartender who claimed that the ghost of President McKinley made him do it. He survived that, but died unexpectedly at the age of 60. Okay, so I shared that bio breakdown to show that the consequences of comparison have less to do with the who and are more about the methods, the measurements, and metrics one uses. All right, so you've probably all heard the overused piece of advice that goes, stop comparing yourself to others. But not only is that overused, it's also impossible. The truth is, each one of us will never stop comparing ourselves to others. Human beings, we are social creatures, and comparison is a part of our social wiring. So it's not about stopping the comparisons. It's about catching them. And the quicker the catch, the easier it is to confront, challenge, disregard, or change the comparisons being made. So I did that whole Roosevelt thing in an effort to point out our tendency of gauging our self-worth by comparing ourselves to the achievements of others. But the thing is, that's an incomplete, if not entirely inaccurate, way to assess ourself. Positive psychology uses a model for well-being called PERMA-V. And while any model for well-being is likely incomplete, I think this framework makes it clear that at the very least, it is multifaceted. This PERMA-V, it stands for positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning, accomplishments, and vitality. A quick breakdown of those categories, positive emotions. This just isn't about being happy all the time, but experiencing joy, hope, gratitude, and other positive emotions on a regular basis. The E of engagement, this refers to having things or activities in your life that fully engross you. This can be called the flow state, or as I like to describe it, the things that you do that while doing them, you forget to eat or go to the bathroom. The R stands for relationships. This is about having authentic, supportive, and loving connection with others. The M stands for meaning. 
having and living with a sense of purpose, feeling like you're a part of something bigger than yourself. A is for achievement, which is about accomplishments, having goals and reaching them. And finally, the V stands for vitality. That one is about physical wellness. All right, breakdown over. So it's important to remember that well-being has many dimensions or parts. Additionally, there are two tendencies that are important to be aware of when it comes to these categories we use to compare ourselves to others. First tendency, we will usually compare the parts of ourselves we perceive as being the worst with the best parts, qualities, or abilities of others. That's why it's so essential for each of us to define what success, what a life well-lived looks like for us. Because if we don't consider and create our own definition, we will be forced to use default definitions, ones created by others. And these will usually focus on the superficial, that which can be easily seen or easy to calculate. Things like physical appearance, the size of our homes, the car that we drive, or maybe the clothes that we wear. It could be the vacations that we take or the money that we make. And it makes sense that we are so quick to compare the superficial, again, that which exists or occurs at the surface, when you consider that our strongest sense as human beings is sight. Not to mention, you are enough. Well, that doesn't make for a great sales slogan. So while it may be natural for us to initially focus on the superficial, we can catch and change those comparisons by remembering that the things that matter most, like meaningful relationships and having purpose in our life, those things are difficult, if not impossible, to see, like visually or to calculate. And just in general, so much of our inclination to make these comparisons, it has to do with us caring way too much about what others think of us. A good catch or reminder to keep that one in check is to remind yourself that the results of that comparison are likely to be highly inaccurate. There's this incredible quote from a philosopher by the name of Cooley that goes, I am not what I think I am. I am not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am. End of quote. And if you're anything like me, you might need to rewind that like a dozen times for it to make sense. But I wanted to share it because I think it shows the absurdity of building a self-worth based primarily on what we think others think of us. It's basically an assumption of a presumption, which provides precious little evidence to support any of the results we arrive at. But if you just can't seem to stop comparing yourself to others, I recommend comparing yourself to one specific person living in one very specific time. And that who is you and the when is the then of yesterday. John C. Maxwell said, the only one you should compare yourself to is you. Your mission is to become better today than you were yesterday. And that's a comparison that can be of great help because it encourages small incremental growth, which will feel significantly more doable. To close a quote, direction is so much more important than speed. Many are going nowhere fast. <laughs> 